Nothing brings people together like La Ventanita, the walk-up windows where Miami meets to drink Cuban coffee and swap stories. I'm Carlos Frias, the Miami Herald food editor. At La Ventanita, we'll talk with some of the world's best chefs to get a window into their lives while sharing some strong Cuban coffee and traditional Cuban snacks, pastelitos and croquetas. As people, we're all searchers. You know, yeah. when you're not adopted, you know clearly most of the time where your parents from, where your heritage is from. When you're adopted, you have another history. Marcus Samuelson is an award-winning chef and TV host. He's a master at blending art and culture into his restaurants, his food, and even his style. We talked to him about being born in Ethiopia, but growing up with an adoptive family in Sweden about his mother who inspired him and his grandmother who made all his clothes. Oh, and why he'll never drink a pumpkin latte. With his new Miami restaurant still under construction, we brought him to one of our favorite spots, Tinta y Café in Coral Gables, to chat over Cuban coffee and tasty snacks. Thank you for making the time. Thank you for having me. And, uh, I'm so and to be here. like I told you, I wanted to bring you a place that's really Miami. It's really heart and soul in Miami. Yeah. So Tinta y Cafe, yeah. uh, owned by a long line of families. Yes. Uh, they do, like I was telling you, they do a pop up on the weekend yeah. between the, the children of two long established Miami families. That. And they do these great pastries. This place is the, the best breakfast and lunch spot. I love it. So I wanted to hook you up. I've been to Gables before because. You know, a lot of the OGs like Norman Venetian was down the street. Right. And then Versailles is up the street. Right. So I've been in this neck of the wood, but uh, look at this display. It's awesome. Right. So let's talk about right what's here a little bit. So we have uh, croquetas. Croquetas yes. are normally ham, ham yeah. or chicken. But I believe we have ham, we have chicken, right? Yeah, and spinach. Spinach. Bacalao. Bacalao. Bacalao is what we have. Spinach, yeah. uh, and then of the pastries we have, we have guava, guava, guava and cheese, guava and cheese, cheese and beef. Cheese mm -hmm. and, beef. and finally, it's funny you mentioned the, the crackers. Oh, the crackers! Every but every culture has a cracker, right? It makes no sense, right? But it's there and it's the best. Whatever <laughs> culture you go to, it's now you can do a whole segment on crackers, right? It's and there's so many little things that when you look at a plate like this, yeah. I bet because you've seen so many cultures and crossed so many continents that all of these things remind you of something that you see oh, somewhere else. I mean, think about the bacalao, right? That salted fish, you know, we think about bacalao in Portuguese culture, but also as a Scandinavian, salted cod, we preserved cod and fish forever. We've always had potatoes, so you have some salt fish, right? You have potatoes and you fry it. So it, it lives all over the world, this right. stuff. But it tastes a little different though, wherever you go. Exactly, and that's yeah. the beauty of it. Yes. Well, I know for a fact you've been itching to drink yeah. some of that coffee. They just brought out this beautiful coffee. I'm gonna serve. What is this, Ethiopian coffee, I hope? This is Ethiopian coffee, this, right? man. Yeah, 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 yeah. You're yeah. Miami now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> be Cuban Forget that, coffee. exactly. Yeah. It better be, right? <laughs> so the, the, sec the secret of the poor, you gotta do the pinch right here. Mm. It's the pinch, man. I like it. That's 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 how you show that you're next level. Yes. Is the pinch. Clearly. And then, and then Clearly. You, the, there's the port and the shake. See the and shake. The shake. Because the shake gets you the crema. Oh, I like that. Right. So. Mm. Cheers, bro. Oh, it's sweet. It's nice. Oh man. Mm. Cuban coffee has the distinction of of being. Yeah. The crazy sweetness of it. You know that. The crema gives you the beautiful shake. Wow, that's beautiful. Oh man, nice that's job. nice. They knew yeah. you were coming. They knew, right? <laughs> so in Ethiopia, we put actually butter into the coffee, right? And especially where my wife is from, in Guraga, you put butter, fermented butter into it. Uh, but I, I love this 
not drinking big coffee. You drink a little bit. It's intense, but it's beautiful. See, that's you're a man of my, after my own heart because mm. I was telling Jose Andres that that there's something obscene about a 30 ounce cup yeah. of coffee, right? Hello. <laughs> and like now, coffee with some butter. I'm thinking that's that's keto. I can yes, have that. Absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. Mm. Think about it, instead of your cream or your milk, like it's fattening. Right? right. And then you give fermented butter. Obviously, that's a little bit of that fermentation, that funk into it, so it has flavor. Right. You know? It's not your pumpkin latte, but it's good. <laughs> are you are you a pumpkin? Will you have a pumpkin latte if someone brings you one? I'm not gonna. Oh, uh, good. I'm not. I, 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 I don't want to be this elitist way of flavors, but I'm not having. You're that. pouring down yeah, the drain. I'm pouring that. I'm pouring that. <laughs> All right, look at this plate. What do we What do we want to get into first oh, here? Oh my God, we, we're starting salt. We're starting bacalao. Got salt. All right, bacalao. Wait, wait. You gotta hit it with some lemon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Some lemon, or you are you a no lemon guy? You want to taste it first? I want to taste it first. All right. I always break it so it's nice and light. It's very light. Oh, yeah. Mm. Oh, it's good. Mm. Mm. That's just so creamy inside yeah, right nice. there, right? It's dope. It's real nice. Now you hit it with a, just a drop of lemon. Yeah. Perfect crispy outside. I'm holding just this creamy inside mm -hmm. and dropping in just a couple of, a, a per, wow. of uh, Persian lime drops. This is it's so light and like. A croqueta for me comes down to texture, right? So it's really crunchy on the outside and then super light on the inside. So you really need this lightness of it. Otherwise, it's just dense and you feel like it's all stuffed up. Right. It's nice. Beautiful. Mm. Now, you're a guy who you have an entryway into Miami um, because you have a restaurant coming uh, in the foreseeable future and you chose Overtown. Yeah. And when you came for uh, one of your efforts of, a, of your show, No Passport Required, you didn't go to the traditional Cuban restaurant. You went to, to Little Haiti. Little Haiti, You yeah. wanted it, yeah. and it's something that, that a lot of outsiders miss, mm -hmm. is that, that the Haitian culture plays a big part in Miami. I mean, I'm always interested in, uh, in the African, you know, the Mutuno, like the African beats and rhythm and the African diaspora. And our African diaspora in, in Miami is very different, right? And it's unique. And they speak to Bahamian culture, speak to Cuban culture, of course, Puerto Rico, Haitian, Jamaican, all of it above. So the only way to do it is to dive in and to be open to it and storytell it and document it. So, you know, we, yes, we're going to open a restaurant, but for me to learn about the place, I have to do my homework. And for me, my homework takes three years. Right. So I've been, I've been working on this, and I'm in the middle of... We haven't even started the construction yet, right. and I've been working on it for two years. Wow. Uh, but part of that is meeting great people like yourself and beautiful families like this, like to learn, you know, and hopefully they come to the opening, you know? You know what I love? I remember reading a quote from you. It was something like, uh, just because I'm black doesn't mean that I understood Harlem mm. when you opened Red Rooster. Yeah. And Red Rooster is now is going to be nine years old. You have to have really done your homework on that. Yeah. I moved there 10 years, me and my wife moved there 10 years before we opened the restaurant just to study and um, you know it takes a long time because uh, if you want to portray something and you know restaurant means to restore a community and when you come to a beautiful community like Overtown that has such a rich history it's our job to tell the story the right way so that takes time it's not a transactional endeavor. It's really working with the community, hiring from, from the community, creating jobs and opportunities. That takes a long time. But I like it. It's great work. It's, you meet fantastic people. 
you know? And Overtown, just a little background on history for folks who might not know, Overtown uh, was this really thriving black community and they put a highway through it. Yeah. And it and it basically split the town and it's only now starting to have a revival. So yeah. I think like a restaurant like yours, kind of like what Red Rooster did where you have to have accessible and the aspirational yeah. in a neighborhood to help really keep it thriving, you know? Yeah. It's very interesting. I mean, Overtown is a reflection of many African, traditional African American communities, right? Where they put a highway, you go through Tremaine, New Orleans, right? Beautiful historic community, highway right through it. Uh, it happens, you know, basically post-Second World War, it happened in many communities, so into segregation, Integration segregation was done in one way, but then also the highways were built to make sure that people could not integrate, right? But, you know, people are bigger than that. People figure out where the good food is, where the good music is, right. where the good storytellers are. And, you know, Miami is such a beautiful, incredible city that with all its different voices, its Latin voices, it's all of its different voices. So, hey, we just want to open a place that people are excited about. and. We have to work three, four years to make that happen, so what? You know, I enjoy it, I enjoy the ride. You gonna pour you a little more coffee? Yeah. All right, right on, then we can look and see what else is on this plate. You looking at more croquetas, uh, yeah, or you I'm wanna take a look at I'm a... looking at the spinach croqueta, because this is, I love the craftsmanship of this, right? Right. You can definitely look at that beautiful, too. So this one, it's funny, because if you can't see it, it's, it, it has this green layer that comes through the golden brown breading, mm -hmm. uh, and then you open it up, and, and it's, you know, it's a nice, mm -hmm. uh, nice green color inside. And you know, you highlight a place like this, I love that because this lives, we're not on the beach right now. Oh yeah, we're far this, from the beach. We're far from the beach. And when a lot of people think about Miami, they think about South Beach and you know, Miami South Beach have done a great job of putting Miami on the map, but Miami is so much bigger than that oh, yeah. and has all these incredible communities where the food, the mom and pops has been the anchor and things like croquetas, things like um, you know, little Haiti, the, 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 the griots, and then the, and the incredible foods that we find in these places have been the cornerstones of those communities. Created jobs, Absolutely. get the lights on. Absolutely. Mm. You know, it's interesting. I mean, for the for the 11 people in the world who don't know, you you were born in Ethiopia, yeah. and at a very young age were adopted by a Swedish couple. Um, and you were away from Ethiopia for a long time, but then you reconnected with Ethiopia, and there's so much about your personality that's like about finding what's interesting and unique about culture. How much do you think that that informed your interest in like wanting to know about world cultures and such? Well, I think, for, I think there's, first of all, you know, shout out to my wife and my, my sister. My sister was really the one that said, hey, as adopted kid, we should really know, find our father, and my wife, I was also born in Ethiopia and grew up there, like helped us connect, like not just uh, geographically, but also culturally, right? And I think as people, we're all searchers. You know, yeah. when you're not adopted, you know clearly most of the time where your parents from, where your heritage is from. When you're adopted, that becomes a little bit, you're, you're not detached, but it, you have another history, right? And another family tradition. So for me as an adult, it was always interesting to what is this other side of me? How can I connect? And, you know, we evolve as people, and I wasn't ready for it, maybe my early part, I was just focused on my career, and today, I, I'm happy that we went on that journey, because it made our life more spicy and delicious, right. you know? You know what, Cubans have a very similar, Cubans as a population, yeah. have an adoption syndrome, too. My parents are, are Cuban, yeah. but I was born and raised here, but kids who grew up of my generation, 
identified Cuban culturally, even though we're wholly yeah, American. Yeah. So when they, those that are able to go back to Cuba for, you know, to, to, that, to do that exactly, to kind of connect those dots to their roots, I think there's a big, uh, there's a very similar feeling to that. I, yeah. went, I went a few years ago, I ended up writing a book about it, and, and there's very much uh, that, that long, that desire to, that, that tug, and then when yeah. you get there, you never you walk around figure, thinking I'm you know I'm Ethiopian, I'm Ethiopian. Yeah. But then you get to Ethiopia, and you're like, wow, I'm really yeah Scandinavian. They or call I'm it like, French. That's what they call it. All foreigners, we we French, right. and they always laugh at me because of course I look Ethiopian, and then culturally, you know, I might not fit in always, and it's always fun. But I mean, Cuba, Cuba is amazing. I've been, I cooked in Cuba. I've been to both Havana and Santiago. I took the bus one time. And, Santiago, that's where my Santiago. father's from. That's on the very uh, western, very eastern part. And a lot of the same came part. in through Santiago. Right. So uh, I wrote a book about African diaspora. So Cuba became a very important place. So it's interesting. You're you dove into. Um, uh, uh, black cultures around the world. Yeah. People in, and and uh, I, I, like I mentioned earlier, there's a Basquiat book behind us. Yeah. Uh, there were a lot of influences in your life. But um, so that's part of that searching too, right? That, that trying to feel like how was, how am I connected to different cultures? Well, I think there's, there, we're all complex people, right? And i always been fascinated why people are so, you know, coming up like, or people have this set idea what a black man can and should be. And I was fascinated by the low expectations. I'm like, why do you have low expectations on me? You know what I mean? Don't worry about it. Like, I, and so that was a fascinating force for me to like, you know what, I'm going to go out and, 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 and be driven and, and do stuff. Right. And um, also, you know, if you think about black people's history, it's not documented. We're very, we've done a great job of documenting European culture, right? But African culture and the diaspora is completely misunderstood in terms of its, in terms of its greatness, in terms of its complexity, in terms of the land. Even to this day, we think about how black people eat in America. We don't eat monolithically, of course not. Right. We eat local, <laughs> like soul food in Miami, probably have much more conch and sauce into it versus a soul food dish in Detroit, for example. Absolutely. So it's, we all know this. Uh, a Polish person and, and an Italian person, both coming from Europe, does not have to explain why they would eat different, right? But we constantly, we have to have, people believe that we have this monolithic thing. There were things that we were joined by, but there was also clearly vast experiences that are different for us. So a lot of my work goes into explaining that and working on that and 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 creating a universe that is celebrates that right it's funny because you were making fun of the young kids here earlier they're like all oh, these college kids you oh, know fancy and, yeah fancy. Fancy. <laughs> fancy yeah yeah you're schooling you're doing it now yeah because like, you went to culinary school you weren't like a college kid like that wasn't what was interesting to you as Listen, I understand I went to Japan when I was 18 years old and I had to figure it out learn, learn how to work in a Japanese restaurant without the language you, you develop other kinds of lessons right I've been an immigrant six times after working in Switzerland where if I learned German if I could speak German they switch over to French if you knew French they switch into uh, a so my experience has been through work, through back of the house, in France, three-star Michelin. So I always had to survive. Forget being black, I was the only person of my count, right? So, and it was very often the first point that somebody had met the black person. So that's an education in no itself. Pr no pressure. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm here to represent everyone yeah, with non-white so, skin. Yeah, and sometimes you have to have the answer between 
all of, I was like, actually, I can't tell you everything between Michael Jackson and, and Nelson Mandela. I, I can tell you a lot of things in between, but not everything. I'm looking to have it all down. But, oh. yeah, man. But I had a lot of fun with that. That's too. awesome. Yeah. All right, let's look at the, what else is on this plate? Let's take a look here. What's not? What I are see we the, feeling? Is the we got it? Tear it open. Yeah. Let's tear it open. I bet you that one's meat. From the shape, yes. Round, the round is meat. It just, it just bumped yeah, into yeah. the guava, which is why you have a little bit of the guava mm. there. Oh, nice. So everybody has that version of Jamaican have their beef patties. This is richer. This dough is almost like a puff pastry, right? It's puff, yeah. But isn't that a beautiful thing that you can bite into something like this and you're immediately mm. like, you can make an association yeah. with another culture. The meat is great. Right. What else we got on that plate? I'm guessing that's guava. Yeah. Cheese and guava and cheese is that triangle one. That's the other advanced level. You can look at a plate of them and know what's inside them before yeah. you open because it's shape. You go by the Beautiful. shape. So this almost has like this, almost like a, almost like a mascarpone, like a cream cheese thing inside. Oh right? yeah, that's the that's the whole point. Although this one is this is next level in here. Mmm. Oh. Yeah. The beauty of what you do that I've seen almost in every dish you make is that you cross cultures in a single bite. Yeah. So like I can imagine your restaurant in Miami doing something like this with something from another country inside or a flavoring on the outside or a different dough. It's really beautiful. It's well done. They take these pastries from La Gran Paris, which is a, another bakery that's sure. been in Miami for generations. Yeah. Although these guys are also associated, one of the young guys that works here with uh, La Rosa Bakery, mm -hmm. which is, I think, um, anecdotally, might be the oldest bakery in Miami, 1968. So if there's wow. one out there, if uh, there's a correction to be done later, that'll be done, but mm -hmm. I, I believe it to be the oldest one. And I'm wow. getting a thumbs up over there that, yeah, it's the oldest one. <laughs> it's delicious, it's delicious. Um, you know, that goes so much to speaking to family, and family played a big role in your interest in, yeah. in, in cooking. Tell me, can we tell me a little bit yeah, about that? Yeah, I mean, I, I had, my grandmother was a cook, and she come from a very poor background, and she was a living maid, come, you know, when she was, a, you know, young. Wow. So, think about Sweden as a poor country, which is most people can't even relate, think about it like that, but pre, she grew up in, in you know, First and Second World War, so it's like, when, when we came to Sweden, we, she was middle class, but but her, her DNA was cooking with very simple ingredients, which also, by the way, would have made her a Brooklyn hipster, because <laughs> she went foraging, she, uh, but not, there was no blogs around, so she's like, shh, don't tell nobody. They had beards, they yeah. had beards there? She did nose to tail way before there was nose to tail. Before it was cool? It's, it's yeah. just like you don't waste. Which is what our parents yes, did. Yes, of course. Yeah. So, so I grew up around that culture of making everything, craftsmanship, we were making stuff. If you want it, you have to make it. And, um, you know, it was great at home. But not if you wanted like a pair of Levi's jeans. And my grandma like went to the store, and she, I was like, oh, okay, I'm gonna get a pair of jeans. She's like, she only went to the store to check it out. She's like, I can make that. I'm like, I don't <laughs> want you to make jeans. So that's why I always landed on sneakers, because my grandmother could not make sneakers. Oh my so I've god. I've always been a sneakerhead because of oh, that. Oh, right yeah. on. Well, what are you wearing? What? Oh, these are you just have? some old Vans. Like these are fun. Yeah, but those are. But yeah. they're covered in like a. Yeah. It looks like a mohair. Yeah. Or like yeah. a like a. Yeah, he's yeah. always styling. Always I something. mean, it's funny. I look at you, and you look like a Kahinde wife. Painting. <laughs> I never tell Ken do that. That's awesome. I gotta tell him that. That's uh, great. Has he has he painted you? Because I know you have a painting in one of your yeah, restaurants. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, he's not painted me yet. Uh, but well. he's, Ken is 
a good cook too, you know? Is he really? Oh, yeah. Wait, can they, well, yeah. he can, wait, that's not fair that a guy's that talented yeah. as a painter and then he can also cook. Hey man. What does he cook? Uh, a lot of West African food, because Candy has a studio in Senegal. Really? Mm -hmm. So he learned, so because being in Senegal, he's learning yeah, a lot yeah, of that West yeah. African food. Yeah. That's super interesting. Oh, no. I mean, we all, as creators, we all do. So, for example, before I set a restaurant up, I paint it. I'm very clear on, I lay it out. Like we, I think as creative people, right, we, we have a process that makes sense to us. Right. That might not make sense to anyone else. For me, it's very clear that I paint out my, my, you know, like even explaining to someone the difference between Overtown and Wynwood, which is just neck to neck. So in Wynwood, there's graffiti. In Overtown, there's going to be, you know, outdoor uh, painting by someone like Sir, for example. There is informative art, right? So we're not going to have graffiti. Nothing wrong with graffiti. I love graffiti. But we're just going to have murals instead. Right. So those are the type of things. And, and that makes it local, but also makes it like, that's the difference, right? So now, walking around, thinking about how our mural should look like, and even, you know, I, I ran a little bit the same way that Muhammad Ali ran from Overtown when he had his fights in Miami. Uh, oh, you did that? Uh, yeah, you so ran, just, the, you just ran to, that just trip? To be, just, to, just a little bit to understand the mindset, being one of the biggest athletes in the world, but not allowed to think about that. Miles Davis, Sammy Davis, Junior, Muhammad Ali, biggest entertainers in the world. They were not allowed. They were allowed to entertain in Miami, but not to stay there overnight. Miami right? Beach, right? So that's the culture. So it's like, how do we build around that and celebrate them and the culture in a way that it's engaging and inclusive? Right. So that's like thinking about that from a different time and making it um, part of the culture and part of the restaurant without making it um, a gallery source. Right. Mm -hmm. And. That, that kind of takes me to an interesting point. When you early on, when you opened Red Rooster, uh, there was some quite. It's, it's where first people first started talking about like uh, gentrification. Yeah. And and but you have done something really interesting. Is where you don't just paint the walls to look a certain way and then re represent you know the food that maybe you see around here. You completely study that area yeah. and then you you put your own interpretation of it on it, which I thought is really interesting. But it's it's. It's also the work that informs you, right? The stories, like think about it. I work in Harlem. I live in Harlem with my family. Same place as Rumor Beard and Painted. Same place as Maya Angelou used to live down the street. This is for black aspirations and storytellers. Harlem has always been Mecca or capital. So you tread in, in big waters. You have to be respect that. So when we move forward, we want, we want the food to come from a place. To come, we cook from in and of a place. It's not just randomly whatever was on a fancy block, you know what I mean? Right. We're doing our own thing, and, and if we, we do that inclusive enough, people will come to it. And I can only hope and wish that people will do the same in overtime, but it's up to us to do the homework and then share it. You right. know? Can I, can I talk to you about Instagram culture? Yeah. Because I'm thinking you're talking about painting and how you, when you paint a menu, so to yeah. speak, you create from this from this uh, kind of uh, palette of colors. Yeah. Uh, when you plate pieces of food, are you looking? At, are you thinking about like how does this look on the on yeah, the plate? I mean, flavors comes down to a couple of things, right? We we learn to we learn about salt, salt, sour, bitter, sweet, umami, all of these things that we can taste, right? But we also can taste them through aesthetic. 
if it's not aesthetically, if this croqueta is not aesthetically pleasing, we're not having it. Right, you right? eat with your eyes. You so eat with your eyes. And then on top of that, you also want to, you have a sense of plating. When I grew up in Sweden, it was very minimalistic plating, right? Or as some people would say, small portions. <laughs> when you think about Ethiopian, it's eating with your hands. It's big, right? right? So aesthetically, we all have a point of view that very much celebrates where we came from. So yeah, aesthetic is super important. Uh, and it, it also, it's a way to communicate sort of your history in a way, you know? Absolutely. You, you see a pastry over there you wanna, you wanna dig into? This would be guava and cheese, and that would be guava. So I'm thinking, Wow. yeah, so I'm thinking this would be the working your way towards the, yeah, towards exactly. the sweet. Yeah, Working my way to a heart attack, thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but what a way to go. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Absolutely. I'm gonna take a bite of this too. So it's like, it's just this perfect little triangle and yep. inside it's the, that creamy white cheese with kind of this splash of pink guava. It's just, it's just beautiful to look at. Like you said, you eat with your eyes. Yeah, absolutely. And it's textured, right? Mm. We eat with texture too. Like this crunchiness has to be, this dough has to be flaky on the outside and the texture. And, and texture makes sounds too. Mm. Not the right sound. Mm. You're not going for it. Thomas Keller, when I was talking to him earlier, he was saying, that especially in America, things are underbaked. How do you approach that as far as the, the baking and, and all the different breads that you see around the world? Well, I mean, breads are very different, right? If you think about Ethiopian bread, the injera bread mm. is basically like a crepe that you bake on one side and it creates this sort of dotted eyes that has to happen through fermentation. And it's soft the way an Indian dosa or is crispy because I flip it, but it's a similar technique, like rice flour versus teff. Then I think about a Swedish crisp bread that, you know, through dryness can stay through the whole winter, right? And then you think about a French brioche, for example, then there's much richer and fluffier. So, I mean, I do think bread culture and baking does explain a culture sort of weather, climate, was it through poverty, who had, who didn't have, in a completely different way. Right. If you understand the culture of the bread, you do almost understand the culture. Absolutely, what a great insight. And that, oh. and that only comes from, from trying things from a lot of different places. I'm traveling a lot. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Oh, it looks like we got, we got an extra edition. Oh, we got edition. the flan. Yeah, the, okay, the flan that these guys make here is yeah. pretty epic. So they, we, we had to insist that yeah, you yeah, had to have yeah. a piece of that. Oh, it's creamy, right away. It's baked really nice, not on too high heat. Mmm. Oh, yeah. Wow, it's beautiful. It's really it's good. It's just like, I'll get to get in here too because you know what? You're making all these yummy sounds and it's making me so jealous. And see, there's all different kinds of flans. Yeah, this is ones really that are, good. That are a lot, some that are a lot creamier. Yeah. The texture that we're having and other ones that are that are much more just straight up custards, you know? Mm -hmm. But this also works with the sauce on top of which it's like overly sweet, but sort of the flan, once you bite into it, it's not over sweet sweet, so that takes off, cuts it. Right, right. It's, it's a good. beautiful thing. That's, I mean, I just, my, um, I, I, um, I lost my mother two years ago, but I always wish I could bring her with me to places like this. Yeah. Like we shared so much in terms of, you know, my grandmother and her mother, but also my mom, like she liked to go to places and she would have loved, she would have comments on all of this because the Swedish version would have been a little bit different, but that would have been Danish for her, right? Right. Flan she could have related to. 
the the these croquetas, you know. Would that have been her favorite? The salted fish would have been a favorite because oh, she could relate to that. Right. You know? So I would think about what would my mom say. It's like it's a good something to share. That's really beautiful. The, your yeah. your mom did she did she play a big role in oh. in like your food interest? Because I know your grandma was like she was the, she was the cook, the my, chef. My mom and my father they were really my two quarterbacks in terms of you know. My mother, she didn't know the industry, but she knew that I had a desire and aspiration. So she, we walked to the library to get, there was a book there that you could find all the three-star Michelin restaurants in. Mm. So we wrote to every single one of them. And we got 30 notes, me and my mom. And eventually we got one yes. Trying to get you a job. Mm -hmm. We hung in on that for like forever. It was just says to you, how many, every time we got the letter back, if we got a letter back, and then it was no. And so you get to a point where you don't even want to open it. You stare at the letter. You're like staring at the letter. And right. You don't dare to open it. On the looking but, at it on yeah. the outside. But eventually we got a yes, and that's all we needed. But like so. What a hero, man. Food, I think about my mom like for things like this, and my father in a completely different way. That he knew, like, you know, he always said, you know, being good at something's gonna take. You got it's like a master. It takes seven years. So it's like you gotta study. It. You know, Red Rooster, we opened up after 10 years of living in Harlem, or right. like writing a book for me, it takes five years. So I approach it, it takes a long time, you know. I'm Ethiopian, so it's a marathon runner, right? It takes time. <laughs> yeah, but you got, it's like you don't get tired at the long run. You're, you only get stronger as it goes. Yeah, but it, it, this is, I'm deeply in love in my profession, you know. Like I, I think it's the most exciting time ever to cook and be part of the industry. So when you do that, like, it's not like I'm gonna exit. It's not like I'm gonna go, oh, let's sell something. Why would I do that? Like, I love working with people. I love what I'm doing, Right. You know? What a role model to have your mom to, I, that idea, yeah. that picture of you two sitting down, yeah, writing letters, writing letters to Scared. 30 yeah. restaurants. You were just graduated from culinary school, I would oh, imagine. So I had, so I had to get scholarship to get out, so I got to Japan, and then I got to Switzerland. But I was still always applying to places, right? right? She, and this is before internet, so she was sending me, oh, I found an address. We sent a letter together. Free internet, man. Yeah, and then um, very often she got to know, like, what we got to know. But in a way, we got that. I got the three star Michelin and George Blanc, and it's how much do you want it? How much do you want right. something? But how you, much can you envision it? You but know? to have a hero like that, to yeah. have a champion, that's I what was a great actually memory. in Miami when I found out that my mom passed away. I'm know? so sorry to hear Yeah, you. I was going up in South Beach to do a demo, but it's also about having great friends. I had my friend um, uh, Alex Cornicelli and Aron and uh, Andrew Zimmern actually, they did the demo for me. Cause I was like breaking down, crying, I just went up. I did the demo, but I couldn't like walk through it by myself. So they, they helped me and- Yeah, you kind of like have really, to punt. Yeah. You kind of have to punt there and, yeah. and be a human, yes. take time for yourself at that yeah. point. No. And, and I imagine that still in all the food that you do, you try to honor her. Oh, absolutely. The family, we all have mentors, right? We all hear, look at this, is a family business. So this is all the, Everything they do is on the legs of their grandparents and their parents, and they better do it right, you know? Absolutely. And having that looking over the shoulder a little bit with both respect, love, and fear. Right. And then also, but I can do better myself, <laughs> which is like great, you know? And that's what drives this place, you know what I mean? Right. It's like beautiful energy. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Well, I, I want to say thank you, man. Thank you for making the time, that's for it. coming out and thank trying some food. And I hope that you have a great experience in Miami. We're looking forward to, thank you very much. to having you on a permanent basis. Thank you, thank Marcus. You thank you Hope you've got some coffee left because we've got more for you. You can watch videos of these chefs and read more about their lives at our website. Go to miamiherald.com forward slash ventanita.
That's D-E-N-T-A-N-I-T-A. -N -N and while you're there, please consider subscribing to the Miami Herald for more of our James Beard award-winning food coverage. La Ventanita was produced by Matias Ochner and me at the Miami Herald. Julio Alvarez makes the show. Music is by Haim Mazar. Special thanks to Marcus Samuelson and the staff at Tinta y Café in Coral Gables who graciously let us take over the restaurant. If you like what you heard, please consider subscribing and leave us a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts. You can reach me directly at cfrias at miamiherald.com. I'm Carlos Frias. Thanks for listening. Thank you.